Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The best way to give someone a gift they'll never forget is to give a gift they'll always use. American Giant makes clothes that just keep getting better with age, like their iconic full-zip hoodie that's designed to last for decades. And a gift they'll wear for years is a gift that keeps on giving. But American Giant makes a lot more than just hoodies. They have impossibly comfy sweaters, classic tees, soft structured sweatpants, even classic everyday denim. All made right here in the USA with a quality you'll have to feel to believe. Be a gift-giving giant this holiday season at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code GRATEFULAG23. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code GRATEFULAG23. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to events that will be in the news over the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. That means we'll be looking at the banks and what they're up to and whether their ultimate regulator, the Bank of England, has too much power. And there's a host of retailers all out to part us from our money. But can they all succeed? I'm joined by Philip Aldrich, our economics editor and columnist, Deirdre Hipwell, the Times mergers and acquisitions correspondent, and Catherine Griffiths, the banking editor of the Times. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being here. Catherine, let me start with you. It is the uh, British Bankers Association conference coming up, but surely most of the attention is going to be on this proposed new Barclays boss. What is the latest on that front? And what's it going to tell us, or rather shareholders and staff, about the future direction of the bank, do you think? So Barclays has decided to employ um, someone called Jess Staley, who is um, a 34-year veteran of JP Morgan as its new chief executive. He'll be joining probably around the turn of the year type time. He hasn't actually received regulatory approval yet, so it could slightly go wrong, but unlikely. What it really tells us is that Barclays, having experimented with an English retail banker in charge for the last few years, has come to the conclusion that actually they need a, a strong, supposedly strong American investment banker. Much as it was viscerated, the bank under Bob Diamond, it did make the investment banking arm most of its money, didn't it? It certainly did under Bob Diamond. Um, it hasn't done in the last few years. And it's really quite unclear, I think, to most people as to quite what went wrong. Certainly investment banks across the board have had a tough time. But fundamentally, I think, in Barclays case, it was seen that Anthony Jenkins, um, the retail banker, couldn't really get to grips with the investment bank, um, partly because he wasn't one. Um, actually, I think in simple terms, because he's English, not American. And the centre of power at Barclays, since their highly opportunistic and amazing Lehman acquisition just after the financial crisis was that there are some powerful people sitting there in New York and essentially they need an American taking charge. Isn't it odd though that we've got John McFarlane who's not known as a shrinking violent in the business world and clearly a man who's used to getting his own way in the investment banking world. Is there going to be a personality clash at the top of the tree in Barclays do you think if he arrives? There's certainly two big beasts. John McFarlane in his previous role at Aviva took on someone who was considerably younger, Mark Wilson, and people say that relationship was quite kind of father-son. John McFarlane is 68, Jess Staley is 58. Um, They're both probably in their last final big jobs of their careers, but one can only assume that this is something they've both got comfortable with. Catherine, do you think that um, this is going to be a back to the future moment and we're going to see the investment bank at Barclays expand massively uh, like Bob Diamond had ambitions to do? 
Yes, I think it is. It is a moment when they've decided. Actually, they've they've taken a lot of beatings on investment banking. Um, they, like others, have been fined for things like LIBOR rigging. But I think a decision has been made by John McFarlane actually that no investment banking is is where the future profit growth is at Barclays, and they're going to take it on and do it. What do you think it's going to mean for shareholders? a lot of whom are relatively small private individuals or ex-staff who use their, who invest in the shares, do you think they really want to go down the investment banking route or people will just think it's casino banking all over again? I think there's lots of people, certainly, including sophisticated investors, who are who are very nervous. Um, Barclays has suffered for a long time um, from this kind of sort of air of controversy about the investment bank. I think if they can get the formula right perhaps they can do well. They certainly have a very significant investment banking business in New York. It's quite interesting that, uh, that the regulators may be uh, trying to see or foster a new investment banking giant in London because obviously you know, HSBC has, is, isn't really a global investment bank to compete with the Americans um, and Barclays was always seen as the, as the one that could really take on the Americans. So I guess it's, you know, it's sort of the city given a new lease of life yeah, I think it's really interesting that John McFarlane has sort of decided to come out this week and kind of raise the prospect of, you know, European investment banking resurgent champion, whether he's thinking some sort of merger of different investment banking businesses in Europe or whether he's basically thinking, you know, Barclays is going to kind of lead the charge. It's not really very clear, but certainly it's a really different kind of confident sentiment um, compared to the last few years. You mentioned, Philip mentioned HSBC there, Catherine. We ran a story, an exclusive from Patrick Hosking, our our financial editor, about hundreds of staff having to take a 10% pay cut. For a bank with global aspirations, this rather seems like tinkering at the edges. Is it a sign that HSBC is really that desperate to save money? Yes, I think HSBC is really quite under the cosh at the moment, and certainly its investment bank is not doing well at all. Um, Everyone who invests in HSBC is kind of holding their breath for interest rates to start rising around the world and then and then HSBC will start to make some more money but obviously that's not happening at the moment and as the months tick by the management of the bank has to keep kind of on a quarterly basis having to keep reporting fairly poor results um the big blow up moment will be if HSBC has to cut its dividend, um, at which point uh, Stuart Gulliver, the chief executive, and Douglas Flint, the chairman, will be on the way out, we think. Looking at the bigger banking picture, Philip, bringing you in here, there's the Bank of England bill coming up, um, George Osborne in front of the Treasury Select Committee. And I suppose the fundamental question is that they look after the banks and the whole financial system, but who's watching over the bank? Who are they answerable to? Yeah, well, that's part of what the Bank of England bill is all about. They've got to be answerable to the to the National Audit Office in future, which is um, w- will decide whether the Bank of England is value for money. In, on the one hand, they've also overhauled they're overhauling the the governance of the Bank of England. The Court of Directors was seen as a sort of a pretty uh, feeble oversight board. That's being shrunk and been made f- more focused uh, so that they can hold the sort of executive team to account. So it's a bit more like a, uh, a PLC board. So the, the, in terms of accountability, those measures are, are coming in. The other, the other uh, sort of big 
uh, event is the senior senior managers at banks are going to face bans and fines for misconduct if if misconduct seemed to is seen to have been happening on their watch. So the, the part of the Bank of England bill that's coming in is to make sure that the regulation of the banks is is uh, strengthened and part of it is to make sure that the bank itself is held more accountable for uh, its actions. Because many people feel it's not accountable enough, don't they? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those because it's a you know, a, you know, quasi-state institution. The I mean, what is the ultimate uh, line of accountability, and and that's to Parliament. And the Treasury Select Committee hearings are a key part of that, where they where the governor and others sit around table talking to twelve MPs who 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 you know should be putting them under the cosh and asking them difficult questions and you know we have we have seen it in the part in the past the bank has it produced um, a sort of relatively weak um a mayor culpa on northern rock after the treasury select committee asked it to investigate what what ha- what it how it handled that crisis um and i i think it's that kind of uh, thing which you'll see more of as a result of the the Bank of England bill. In fact, the Court of Directors uh, Oversight Committee can can uh, ask for uh, the can set up their own internal demand their own investigations any, into things that have gone wrong. So, uh, yeah, the, because they're they're reporting straight to M- MPs ultimately. I mean that that's that's the clearest line of accountability ultimately. I mean, presume one of the things the MPs are also going to be asking the Chancellor is about the. Um, the deficit, the public finances, I mean, they were a lot worse last time round than expected. Do you think there'll be some some better news on this front or is he going to come under the cosh again, borrowing too much money? He's bought, He had a bad month last month. Um, I don't know if the, if the MPs will ask him about that because they'll probably be a bit more targeted on the specific financial services stuff but um yeah the the public finances are, uh they were they were poor in august there was a 3 bill, there was there was 3 billion more pounds more borrowed than uh than had been expected which uh obviously knocked uh, his deficit reduction targets it now looks like he's he's off track to hit the office for budget responsibilities forecast for the year so he's so i mean obviously they're going to be looking for a real bumper load of tax revenues in the september data which are out which are coming out looking at the company news and moving on thanks for that philip by the way um didra We've got ASOS, or as seen on screen, just to show you how trendy I am. Sainsbury's and Home Retail. Where do you want to start? Uh, probably with ASOS, actually, because I think there'll be a lot of interest in that, because 2014 was a really tough year for ASOS. Having done well for so long, their shares have been extremely volatile. And, you know, they had a warehouse fire in Barnsley which set them back quite a bit and then they had a profit warning after a slump in their international performance and then Nick Robinson who of course is the founder and was the chief executive for the past 15 years has stepped down he is still a non-exec director but it was quite a big change and obviously Nick Baton who was the COO has taken over and this will be his first time in the hot seat so to speak when they report their full year results I think there'll be a lot of interest in it there does seem if you if you look at the analyst notes coming forward you know in the past few weeks it does seem that trading has got better but analysts were saying in September that if the company wants to boost its underlying it had to boost its underlying profit by 40% to hit its targets for next year so I think there'll be a lot of focus on ASOS to see how how they're doing and how they're competing against you know rivals who are in the same space 
And then obviously we have Sainsbury's and um, Sainsbury's have actually given a trading update a few weeks ago, you know, had quite a lot of positive pick up after that because they had slightly upgraded their profit forecast. But what will what they're doing next week is actually Mike Cooper's going to be taking journalists around to see a new store of the future trial format so it'll be you know I'll be able to report more next week possibly as to how Sainsbury's is going to you know continue this fight on you know in in, among the grocers for shoppers and and also the fight against discounters. What about home retail group? Well home retail group is interesting because they're midway through a turnaround program which has been going quite well but Argus has been a little bit of the the weak point in this because they've had quite a tough summer as have a lot of their peers in terms of electrical item sales so people are buying fewer tablets big screen tvs and so i think argus is is the important one people will be looking at because obviously home retail group owns um home base and argus so they'll be updating on both but i think the interest will be on how argus is performing and of course argus is trying all different things at the moment it's trying these small stores i don't know if you've seen them but they have a little stall now in cannon street station which is like it's almost like a click and collect so they're trying different formats and different ways of making it easier for people to buy from argus um so i guess we'll be hearing a bit more about that let me bring you in here i mean consumer confidence clearly is important to the the companies that Deirdre's just been talking about, but consumer confidence overall is a very key measure isn't it for the bank of england Looking forward, do you think people are more or less confident at the moment, given that they've seen a dreadful summer in the stock markets and the value of their ISIS and pensions and everything else falling? Well, the the most recent consumer confidence data showed that overall people are confident, but the level of optimism has dipped a little bit you know people we've got a zero inflation environment, wages rising at three percent people are still relatively optimistic about their own personal finances so i'm sure they are spending more money um uh, you know whether they want to spend their money in argos i don't know but um uh they they, they certainly are spending more of the money they're less they're less confident about the global outlook because uh, global economic outlook because um you know, there's been there's been these uh, setbacks in china fears about emerging markets um and the imf uh, downgraded its global growth figures so there's all this kind of noise around the general economic malaise which is infecting people's confidence levels but you know when they when they put their hand in their pocket they've got more money there so i think that's holding up i definitely think we are seeing that um john lewis has put out a report this week on taking a look at the the john lewis shopper and what was interesting in that report is that they've called the report the year of the master shopper because they're saying shoppers today are being far more selective about where they buy their goods from so they'll have researched it online they'll have compared prices online they'll be increasingly using their mobile while in the shops to compare prices so i think that is the key issue for retailers i think people are more confident and they are spending you know their disposable income but they're being far more selective about where they put it and i think that's why retailers have to be really sharp on pricing at the moment and they have to get that right i just saw some data today actually which showed that uh, the uk uh, spends more online does more online shopping than any other country in europe so obviously we you know, it's easier to compare it prices there so it is extraordinary i think it has something to do with our tube commute times because john lewis was saying that 
in the past year they've seen a 60% increase in people shopping online through the through the mobile phone so I reckon that's while people are on the tube they're just having a look and then when they come out into the open air they, they can place the orders I do that well, especially as we can now um, get reception on the tube, presumably. It's a whole new vista. Well, yes, although I've never succeeded in doing that. The Virgin Wi-Fi, I don't know, I haven't quite done it, although I've realised the mistake I'm making. You have to log in as you're at the station entrance, not when you're on the platform. OK, well, lots to talk about there, and thank you all very much indeed. And don't forget, you can keep up to date with all those items of news on our website. And if you are a Time subscriber, you can sign up for our morning, daily morning and lunchtime emails for everything you need to know. If you don't have a subscription, we still have that £1 special offer. You'll find that at thetimes.co.uk. And if you want to hear us weekly, don't forget, subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Catherine Griffiths, Deirdre Hipwell and Philip Aldrich. They're all on Twitter, so do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was, like, wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different. Bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout season two, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.